If you have your Bibles and want to open to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to look there today. During one of the darkest periods in World War II, after the collapse of France and before America got involved, Winston Churchill wrote that the question in the minds of both friends and foes was this, will Britain surrender to? At that time, he made a speech that contained this sentence, what General Wigand called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. And upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. You see, if you're a Christian, you are in a battle. And upon this battle depends the joy of your heart, the happiness of your marriage, the welfare of your children, the security of your home, and the influence of your life. You are involved in a spiritual battle, in spiritual warfare. But the problem, I think, is many Christians don't realize it. Many of God's soldiers are asleep in the barracks when they should be out on the battlefield. And the reason that many Christians are losing the battle with the devil day by day is because they're not showing up for war. In fact, I think there are a lot of Christians who don't realize there's even a war going on. I read about one gentleman, he had a bit too much to drink and he was driving the wrong way on a one-way street. And a policeman stopped him and said, buddy, didn't you see the arrows? And he said, arrows? I didn't even see the Indians. (laughs) See, there are a lot of Christians who don't realize who their enemy is. And they don't realize there's a war going on. They don't understand that every day they are in a fight for their spiritual life. Someone said much of the church's warfare today is fought by blindfolded soldiers who can't see the forces against them, who are buffeted by invisible opponents and respond by striking one another. Douglas MacArthur, one of the greatest generals, said, in war there is no substitute for victory. Well, that is doubly true for spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in today as children of God. See, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, listen to this. In your war, God wants you to be victorious. It is high time that Christians quit blowing the retreat and begin sounding the charge. There are too many Christians who are letting the devil take it to them when they should be taking it to the devil. There was a football player who graduated from college and the coach asked him if he would like to come on staff and be a scout and try to find other great football players and he said sure coach what what kind of player are we looking for and he said well there's the kind of guy that you knock him down and he stays down and the kid said we don't want him do we coach the coach said no he said but there's the kind of guy that you knock him down and he gets up but if you knock him down a second time he stays down and the kid said we don't want him either do we coach he said no we don't want him He said, but there's the kind of guy that you knock down, he gets up, and you knock him down, he gets up, and you knock him down, he just keeps getting up. And the kid said, now that's the kind of guy we want, coach, right? The coach said, no, we don't want him either. What I want you to do is find the guy who keeps knocking all these other guys down. (laughs) That's the guy I want. See, I believe it's high time that we as the church, that we as Christians, Go on the offense and get off the defense. See, I want to begin this series this week that I'm calling This is War. 
Because we are in a spiritual war. And I want us to see how to prepare ourselves for battle on a daily basis so we can win this spiritual war. And we have to realize the attack that we are facing. See, this war is unlike any other war fought in history. It's a spiritual war. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, the war I'm speaking of is going on at this very moment, right here in this very room. And you may not be able to see the bullets whizzing by your ears or the bombs exploding over your head, but the war is real. It's being fought in your home. That's why Christian marriages are falling apart at a record rate. Why Christian children are rebelling against the authority of their parents. It's going on in your head. It's why even ministers fall prey to the traps of pornography and adultery. It goes on in your heart. That's why all of us have to battle every day to do what is right instead of doing what is wrong. But just because the war is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. I mean, if you don't believe there's a war going on, read your newspaper and you'll see the results of war. And things like murder, rape, prostitution, robbery, terrorism, drug addiction, child molestation... These are the rotten eggs that have hatched by this terrible war. And in verse 12, Paul said, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, every Christian is in this war, and every Christian has to fight. There are no deferments, no exemptions, no, no conscientious objectors in this army. If you're a Christian, get ready to rumble. See, when you give your heart to Jesus, you, you don't get into a frolic. You get into a fight. God doesn't just put salvation in your hearts. He puts a sword in your hand. Paul came to the end of his life. And he wrote this in 2 Timothy 4. He said, I have fought the good fight. Why would he use that term? Because this is a fight. And he encouraged his young protege, young Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6. He said, fight the good fight of faith. See, I think, again, the problem is we have too many soldiers asleep in the barracks. Too many Christians surrendering and waving the white flags without ever firing a shot. But let me tell every one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in this war. You can't straddle the fence. You can't be like Switzerland and stay neutral. You're either on one side or the other. C.S. Lewis once said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. <laughs> so at every waking moment, be on your guard. There is a war. We also have to realize the adversary that we are fighting. I quoted General Douglas MacArthur, one of our great military leaders. He once wrote an article called Requisites for Military Success. And he gave the four principles that he believed were the most important in order to win a battle. He said, first, there must be morale. He said, fighting forces must be united by a will to win, a sense of a cause worth dying for. He said, second, there must be strength. 
The soldiers must have adequate training, be well equipped to do the job. He said, third, there must be an adequate source of supply. Lifelines must be kept open so those at the front receive all that they need to win. But you know what he said by far was the most important principle? He said, in order to prevail, you must have a knowledge of the enemy. He said, the greater the knowledge of the enemy, the greater the potential of victory. Well, Paul tells us who our enemy is. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our enemy is the devil. Now, be careful here. Because when we talk about the devil, I want us to avoid two extremes that you might have in your attitude towards Satan. Right? On one hand, many people ignore him. Some, some even make fun of him. They think of the devil as this mythical creature like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. But I want to say right up front, I believe in a personal devil just like I believe in a personal God. When I hear people say there's no such thing as a personal devil, I'm reminded of this prize fighter. His opponent was, was just beating him ruthlessly. And every time he would come back and he would sit on the stool between rounds, his manager would say, go get him, tiger. He hasn't laid a hand on you. And for seven rounds, this guy was getting beat up. And every time his manager would say the same thing, go get him, tiger. He hasn't laid a hand on you. And finally, with both eyes closed shut and his lip cut open, the manager said, go get him. He hasn't laid a finger on you. And the fighter looked at the manager and he said, then keep an eye on the referee because somebody's beaten the daylights out of me. <laughs> but we also need to avoid the other extreme of being obsessed with the devil. Yeah, I'm weary of Christians who, who see a demon under every rock and a devil behind every tree. There was a woman that went to a church picnic and the ladies were having a covered dish luncheon. And she walked in and one of these super spiritual ladies walked up to her and said, what'd you bring? And she said, deviled eggs. And immediately this woman flung her hands up high and she said, I bind every one of them in the name of Jesus. And the woman said, well, you can bind them, but they're still deviled eggs. See, we need to give the devil his due. But we don't need to give him the farm. But we do, know, we do need to know who he is. In verse 12, it says, Our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It tells me that Satan is a spiritual being. And it ought to tell you that not everything spiritual is necessarily good. But it shouldn't surprise you that our fight is spiritual because our foe is spiritual. I mean, you can't fight Satan on a natural plane. You have to fight him on a supernatural plane. You're not going to win the war against Satan by sheer willpower. I mean, he quakes at the sight of the breastplate of righteousness. He quivers before the shield of faith. He shakes before the sword of the Spirit. But those are the only weapons that he fears. Those are the only weapons that will work. He is a spiritual enemy. He's not an enemy to be trifled with. I mean, we go on to find that our war is against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness. See, on one hand, don't underestimate the power of the devil. Don't ever think you can handle him on your own. Because you can't. By yourself, in your own flesh, he will overpower you every time. 
But we are also told in verse 11, stand against the devil's schemes. Right, that word schemes, it's kind of interesting. It gives us the English word method. It literally means deceit or trickery. The Living Bible translates it this way. Watch out for the tricks of Satan. Because he is the master of deception. He has even deceived us into thinking how we think about him. I mean, we have this picture in our mind, right, of this man wearing the long red underwear and the horns on his head and the forked tail and the pitchfork, walking around just looking for someone to bend over. And a lot of people look at that picture and say, well, I don't believe in that kind of devil. Well, I have to tell you, I don't believe in that kind of devil either. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. If you see the devil in bodily form, it would shock you, right? How attractive he would look. It might even shock you how gracious and kind he could seem to be. You would never know that he is the most wicked force in the universe. See, the devil is interested in darkness and wickedness. But we're so fond of saying God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But we should add this reminder that Satan hates you and he has a wicked plan for your life. And the devil is doing everything he can right now to either take you to hell or if you're going to heaven, to make your trip miserable. <laughs> See, God wants us to be happy and he wants us to be holy and Satan wants us to be depressed and dirty. And, and as I talk about the devil, I realize many of us could be intimidated because he is a powerful being. But we also need to remember this. We need to realize the advantage that we feel. Paul said in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. And we're going to talk about that next week. But literally what this verse says is, put on the whole armor of God and keep it on. <laughs> there are no furloughs, no truces, no leaves of absence, no ceasefires in this war. You've got to keep your armor on. You have to keep your guard up. You don't get to relax. Because when you do, that's when Satan sucker punches you. He will hit you at your weakest moment when you least expect it. So I'm admitting, yes, Satan is dangerous. He is deadly. Old Lucifer is destructive and deceptive. But he is not invincible. Hear me. He is not invincible. You know, I'll never forget how frightened people were of Saddam Hussein. Right? People thought he would be this formidable foe. But when the war was over, in just a matter of hours, General Norman Schwarzkopf stood at a press conference and gave this assessment. He said, Saddam is neither a strategist, nor is he schooled in the operational arts, nor is he a tactician, nor is he a general, nor is he a soldier. But other than that, he's a great military man. Well, let me give you some good news. Satan is not omnipotent. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. But God is all three. Satan is not sovereign. But God is. But other than those qualifications, he's a formidable foe. John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We have an advantage over the devil, and that is the armor of God. Imagine with me, you're sitting on a warship, 
and putting your hand against the wall, which in Navy language is the bulkhead, and hold your hand 24 inches apart. And that's how thick the armor plating is on some of the walls in the old battleships. In fact, the armor plating on the American battleship is so thick, a Russian missile would just bounce off the armor-plated bulkhead with a direct hit. Armor on a ship is placed in areas where it is most vulnerable to enemy missiles. Normally, an armor belt is placed around the sides of the ship from about 10 feet below the waterline to just above the waterline. Theoretically, a, t- a torpedo hitting the armor belt would not penetrate it. Likewise, armor plating would be placed along the upper surface of the ship to repel bombs dropped from airplanes. Well, you see, God has given us armor. Armor that is guaranteed to repulse the most powerful missiles, the strongest bombs, the mightiest torpedoes that Satan can fire. James tells us in James 4, verse 7, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, there's not a single verse in the Bible that says run from the devil. The Bible says flee temptation. It says we are to flee sin. But it never says flee from the devil. No, it says resist the devil and he will flee from us. Jeffrey C. Ward in his book on the Civil War tells about a scene that took place in the Battle of Gettysburg. He said in the middle of the Battle of the Wilderness... All of the staff men who had been fighting in the east all this time. And Ulysses S. Grant heard these men talking. Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee. He'll do this, he'll do that, he'll do the other. And Grant heard all that he could stand. And he finally said, I'm tired about hearing about Robert E. Lee. You would think he was going to do a double somersault and land in our rear. Quit thinking about what he's going to do to you. I want you to start thinking about what you're going to do to him. See, we're in a war. We've got to get ready to rumble. And so I want us to begin thinking, not about what can the devil do to us. I want us to think about what we can do to him. And we're going to find that out. Because of Jesus. Because of his death on the cross. Because of the awesome power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the armor of God. We can win the war. So are you ready for battle? See, that begins by surrendering your life to Christ. It begins by joining His army. And so if that's what you desire, I invite you to come. Let's begin this week doing battle together on God's side. Would you pray with me? Father God, I realize that we are in the middle of a battle. And we know that Satan is a powerful foe. But God, we also know that you, you are stronger, you are more powerful, and you will, in the end, be victorious. So Lord, I pray you help us rely on your strength, rely on your power, rely on your armor as we fight this battle every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.